we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how Black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. The living legend himself. Shut the fuck up, Juicy J. Yo, yo, what's good, man? What's what's with the mess? <laughs> Juicy J? You're promoting a book, your memoir, Juicy J. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a horror movie. <laughs> I, know we, I know you love horror movies, but damn. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm an advocate of mental health awareness, so I just wear this mask to, you know, to show people, like, you know, hey, man, it's a, um, it's a different side. You don't have to do nothing crazy or harm yourself or harm other people. You can always get some help. Call 988, uh, any kind of hotline, or reach out to an organization to, um, you know, uh, take care of your mental health. And with the straight jacket, straight jacket listen, too? I'm not mad at it. I'm a big mental health advocate too. So yeah, if you're yeah. doing that to raise mental uh, mental health awareness, I ain't mad at it. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need my own assistant. She can take my mask off. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to talk in this. <laughs> Juicy J said Halloween came early. Yeah. You know what I mean? There we go. There, there you go. go. There you go. There we go. Come on. Show them you ain't aging, Juicy J. Yeah, man. There you go. There you go. Fresh lineup. Still, you know still, what I mean? Hairline intact. 
Still 30 years old, man. There you, you know go. What I'm saying? Still 30 years old. There we go. Thank Juice you. Juice has an amazing book out right now called Chronicles of the Juice Man, a memoir. I'm going to be honest with you. I got this book a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I didn't even know Juicy J had a book coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from the first, from the prologue, it's exciting. Thank you, man. So many questions about the book, but I never knew, first things first, that they had flavored cocaine. Yeah, hey. Watermelon, right. cotton candy. Is that what you want to jump in? Not why you wrote the book. Started. Let's find out why you wrote the book before we get watermelon flavored cocaine. With, water, with flavored cocaine. I didn't know yeah. they had that. Hey, it was crazy. When I seen it, I was just, just like, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? How y'all put the flavors in there? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not going to try it, but you know what I'm saying? So what, like made you, what made you write the book? Let's start there. I, w I always want to write a book. Um, you know what I'm saying? I've been doing this for a long time. Y'all mm -hmm. been seeing me. I've been mm -hmm. knowing half of you motherfuckers when y'all was interns and shit. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it's it's just it's just that time, you know. And it was really difficult when we was doing a book, me and Soren Baker. He wrote it with me. Uh, my mom was, uh, she got diagnosed with cancer the time I was writing this book. So it was just like, it was, it was man, very, 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 I had a very hard time trying to finish it. But we, we you know, we broke through. We finished it. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace. And uh, here we are. So I always want to do this. You know, That'd be the most interesting thing about memoirs, man. You know, your your life in the industry was great. Yes. But it's the stories before the industry. Yeah. That, yeah. that made that made a Juicy J that's yes. even even more interesting. Yes. Yes. Yep. What made you what made you want to name your memoir after the first solo album? Um, I mean, it, it talks about I mean, it's Chronicles. It's, it's, it's my life. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? It's telling everything about what's going on. So, I mean, I just used it. It was perfect, you know what I'm saying? It um it matches everything with you know from my story and everything. So man, it was it was perfect fit. That's how I looked at it. Was there anything that you had to take out? You know, we've been reading, you know, a lot of our OGs in this game have been writing books from Jeezy to Fat Joe to the, the yeah. recent ones. Was there anything that you had to take out? Because you were so brutally honest in this book. Yeah, I had it's some yeah, it's a few things, man. It's, um I'm not gonna say no names, but it was some some you know, I had some people come to me about killing themselves in the book. It's more than maybe like three to four people I had put in the book, and then when uh, they read it, it was like, you know, like the lawyers and stuff was like, man, you can't put all this stuff in there. And then I talked to some of the people, and they didn't want me to do that, so I took it out. So, yeah. And you, you you never tried cocaine? No. Contrary to popular belief. You, no, no, like you no. You never tried cocaine, but you talk about why in the book. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I was, um, when I was like a kid, I was watching TV, and I seen this basketball player named Lynn Bias. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, "Oh, Lynn Byers, he died on cocaine." And I was like looking at you like cocaine. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it was. I was like cocaine. I was like, I ain't never doing cocaine. Like when I seen that, I, that stuck in my head. I said, if I feel, I just felt like if I did it, I'd die. And mm -hmm. then like, as soon as right after that, I, you know, I would think I could have been, I don't know, I could have been thirteen, fourteen. And this, the older I got, you know, I started getting approached in Memphis. Like, you know, I would see people in the street. They'd be like, "Hey, man, want some coke? Hey, you want this? Want that?" And I was like, first thing came to my mind, like that's that stuff that Lynn Byers took. I said, "Hell no, man, I ain't taking that shit." No matter you know what, what flavor it come in. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and you always seem to have yeah. like a sense of self-awareness about yourself that yeah. other people around you didn't seem to have. How, how has that self-awareness helped or, or hurt you in life? Uh, you say help or hurt? Yeah, helped or hurt. Um, I don't really think it hurt me. I mean, I think it it it, it kept me uh, to survive. I survived off that. I would have it's, it's weird. I would have, have these two voices in my head. I have one voice be like, hey, 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 do this, do that, smash that without the rubber, whatever. Then I have another voice be like, man, don't. You know what I'm saying? You know what happened to Easy? You know, I'm like I had like real shit. I had these voices in my head telling me, like one one is telling me to go, one is telling me, nah, you might don't want to do that because you know this girl might be this, you might get her pregnant then and child support and all. You know, it's just all kind of crazy shit. Even just whatever, not just saying just with females, just with in the street stuff. You know, it's times I, you know, I talk about it in the book. I had mm -hmm. the strap about to blow somebody ass off, and mm -hmm. then like one minute something's telling me to go, then something's like. 
nah, man, you might don't want to do that because this person, you know, he might snitch on you. Or you can you trust this nigga you mm-hmm. with? You know what I'm saying? So stuff like that, man. And um, it, it's it's good that that happened like that because I'm here today. Cause right. The reason I say the self-awareness hurt is because sometimes you might be too critical on yourself. I see that throughout the book. Like, you yeah. know, whether it's about... Oh, 3-6 music is whack. And I'm like, I don't remember that time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, you yeah. might have been a little too hard on yourself. Well, I, I, I'm very hard on myself. You know, mm-hmm. right? I'm very hard on myself. I didn't say it was whack, I don't think. I think I said it, it didn't sound right at the time mm-hmm. when we was in L.A. because we, we was lost in it. You know, we was lost in the sauce. We didn't, I mean, I felt like when I was in L.A. for so long, I just, you know, I lost my taste of uh, sound and music and what the what the wave was and everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm usually on top of that. And never, never fell off of that. But when I was in L.A. partying and kicking and drinking so much and popping pills, I lost it all. You know, I'm yeah. doing music that was, I was stuck. You know what I mean? You know, like some people move forward. I was I was stuck in like 2005, somewhere around 2003. You know what I'm saying? I was stuck in that era. And then when it was 2008, music was totally different. Mm-hmm. What got you, what you got, what you got, got you out of that, that slump? I got the hell out of L.A. and I moved back to Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Like immediately, I sold my house. I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Everybody like, you leaving, man? I'm gone, bro. Like if I stay here, man, I'm gonna be fucked up. I'm like, I'm gonna kill myself because I was doing so much drugs and Vicodin and uh, shit, Adderall, all kind of shit, bro. I had a I had a medicine cabinet full of shit. Like you could have came, I could have prescribed you some shit, bro. Because mm-hmm. I had so many people, you know, doctors. Like you know, what I'm saying, I never get my shit off the street. I never fuck with that street shit. I always get my shit straight from the doctors. You know what I'm saying? So I had these, uh, I call them wacky doctors, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They they would give me all kind of shit, you know what I'm saying? Whatever I want to give me, $100, $200, they'd be like, all right, what you want? The, f- the funniest part of that story, and, I mean, it's, it's there's always humor in everything, right? Yeah. So you talk about how the girl, you told your girlfriend at the time to come pick you up. Yeah. Because you might kill yourself. Yeah. And then it's like two sentences later, so I broke up with that girl and I moved, <laughs> I moved back to Memphis. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she came to your age. <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. She did, you know what I'm saying? And I appreciate that. You know, thank you, you know what I'm saying? But I just, I was to the point where I just needed, I needed to get out. So, you know, I had a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. I was just pressured about I was stuck, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so used to um, making great music with the group and everything was moving forward and everything was falling apart. So I was like, you know, I was, man, I was really depressed, bro. I was drinking, crying. It was just like, it was, I was just hurt, man. You know what I'm saying? Now, and people now, wouldn't I was, think that because you was having the most success. You know, y'all had just won the Oscar. You, you yeah. had the MTV show. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. nobody would think you was depressed. Yeah, well, people, when they would see me, they would see me drinking, but I was drinking to escape. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I was really trying to get away from the uh, the pain I had that was going on with me. You know what I'm saying? Even y'all, y'all probably seen me doing that time, or, mm-hmm. you know, just around because we was partying. I mean, I was running everybody. Yeah, I was smiling and drinking, but like deep down, I was not feeling too good, man. Uh, I was really fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And I refuse to believe, man, that you ever wore two rubbers. I don't know why people be telling that goddamn lie. Man, it's impossible. I did. I did. You can't put on two rubbers, man. Yes, you can. Yes, I did. I don't believe you. I did. I don't believe you. I just refuse I to believe that. Well, hey, man, that's. When did you stop then? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> When did you stop? <laughs> I mean, when I when I settled down, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I said, all right, you know, I, I fuck the rubbers, you know what I mean? When yeah, I settled I down with, you know, one girl, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, mean, I, was, I, was, I, was, man, I was going crazy, bro. I was two, three girls a night, you know what I'm saying? I was. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, but you did this in high school. You this, you wrote this record in high school. What was the record? Uh, uh, Slava Manav? No, before Slava Manav, it was another one. You oh, said don't be scared, put the rub on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be scared, put the rub on it. There yeah. you go. That, <laughs> you know what? After don't be, well, I had a situation, you know what I'm saying? I was with this chick, yeah, and then I got, you know, sizzled. And then I had, and then I, I wrote this song called Don't Be Scared with the Rubber on the Hair. Yeah. For rubber, you know, like um, uh, safe sex. 
But it was a hit in the hood. Yeah. Niggas <laughs> was walking around in the club. Well, I can't say the club because I wasn't really going in the clubs like that. But I would see niggas in the street and you know, like people be like playing it in their cars. Don't be scared. Put, put a rubber, rubber on the head. head. <laughs> it was just a chant. So you would never even scared to talk about the STDs in this book either. No, fuck it. You know what I mean? It's real. A lot of motherfuckers out here didn't get burnt before. Burnt Charlemagne. Burnt the fuck up. <laughs> DJ, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I ain't never had STD. No, me neither. Never yeah, in my life. Whatever. Promise of God, never had STD in my yeah, life. Hey, man, that's you. Grace of God. Now, I want you. you I ain't said judging, you, though. You said you no, moved back to Memphis, right? Yeah. What, what did Memphis mean to you? You know, recently I did a, a car show in Memphis and I see how much. Memphis supports Memphis. Yeah. So, so talk about why you left Memphis and then why you thought you had to come back. Because a lot of people say they have to leave Memphis because a lot of times the, the, the hood takes them out. Yeah, I had to come back to get my mind right. You know what I'm saying? I just wasn't grounded. Uh, I, was, I had been in L.A. too long. You know what I'm saying? It, it took me over. The music, My music was sound different. I was moving different. I was doing a lot of crazy drugs. And so I, I went straight back to Memphis and I just went back to the hood. Hung out with my niggas and chilled. And, you know, I got my vibes back. Mm-hmm. I understood what, you know, my grounds were, my roots, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, well, cool. I can go anywhere in the world and I'll never lose my sound again. You mm-hmm. know what I'm I didn't know you and Project Pat was actually brothers. And I yeah. didn't know Paul was Lord Infamous's uncle. Yeah. Does it make it harder or easier working with family? No, 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 it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's everything, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad I, I work with uh, my family, man, because my brother is one of the uh, persons that, that uh, brought me out of this shit, you know what I'm saying? He, I was in L.A., he would come in there, I'd be laid out on some lean, he'd be like, what the fuck y'all doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all niggas ain't hot no more. <laughs> he would tell me that. You know, I'd be like, what, nigga, what you say? You heard what I said. Y'all ain't hot. I, I'm in the clubs, nigga. You niggas out here in L.A. high as shit. You know what I'm saying? They ain't playing no 3-6 Mafia in the clubs no more. That shit done. Damn. It's new niggas out here, man. Y'all beats. Man, y'all beats don't even sound the same. Man, y'all shit ain't got no. Y'all ain't got so You got to put that hand bass in y'all beats. Man, listen y'all, listen this bass and listen y'all bass. You know, he playing, uh, I think he, he was playing some drummer boy stuff. He listen this nigga bass. Listen y'all bass. Y'all bass ain't. And I was like, hmm, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he told the truth, man. And that's what you need. I mean, like, I don't need no yes men. I don't like yes men around me. I like niggas to tell me if I'm doing something crazy. I would I always tell people in the group, man, look, if I, if I one time picked up Lord Infamous, right, I took him to the, um, tried to take him to the rehab. He didn't want to do it. We, we stayed, we riding around the neighborhood for almost an hour and a half. I'm trying to get this nigga to, bro, you need some help? You need some help? He's like, nah, man, I'm cool. And we're talking. And I told him, I said, well, look, man, look, I'm just looking at you for as, as, a, as a friend, brother. I love you. I don't want nothing to happen to you. And I said, and if you see something I'm doing, please tell me. Don't yes man me, my nigga. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Don't be like, yeah, juice to go. You see me doing anything, crazy drugs, or with the wrong crazy bitch, or you think I'm with a with a you know some skis or something, I'm about to get robbed, or whatever you feel that that, that ain't right, please tell me. You know what I'm saying? I tell mm-hmm. Paul, anybody in my group or anybody around me, like don't don't yes man me, man. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You know, check me, nigga. If you see me doing something crazy, because I want to live, I want to go to jail or do some stupid shit, you know. But this I am, I am. What what's taught you more about life, being in the industry or the life you lived before the industry? Um, I say the life I lived before the industry because if I if I didn't go through all the stuff, you know, what I'm saying in North Memphis, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, facts. I was gonna ask you. You know, there was one time they used to say that that the music that you guys put out was demonic, and that was like that the the thing. How bad did that affect y'all? Man, that, that, the music, to me, the music, I mean, I'm a church nigga, man, so I mean, I, I looked at this shit like, you know, like, y'all nigga, ain't no devil worship, bro. Ain't, no, ain't nobody fucking, you know what I'm saying, worship no devil or uh, touching a Ouija board or whatever the fuck y'all think it is. No, I just looked at it like, hey, man, it is what it is, but we, I felt like we had to clean the name up, so we changed the name to 3 Six Mafia. Because mm-hmm. I felt like it just, because it, it was, everybody was scared. Record labels was like, I don't know, man, I don't know. I mean, we might want to sign, we might don't. So it was, you know, whatever, man. We changed the name up, and then things started coming together, you know. 
you you even say in the book how um you know that you the, the three six mafia thing the devil worshiper thing was was kind of a gimmick. That's what I felt. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I didn't see nobody worship the devil, so I just looked at it like a gimmick. You know, I didn't look mm -hmm. at it like it was you really worshiping the devil. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, like Memphis was a dark city, so it was a dark time. So you know, triple six mafia was perfect for that at the time. You know what I'm saying? Because it I mean, Memphis is still dark, but it was like just. It's it's crazy and not in back then, but you know that's what I'm saying. I was coming from that, so it was cool. But then like later on, we started making you know more music and you know a couple more. I don't think we brought this album out called The End. We had changed everything. It went from triple six to three six, and it was better. You know our sound had we stepped our game up on the sound. We had a couple of rec records on there that was a little bit more radio friendly, because nobody want to play our shit on the radio. So we had a couple of records on there radio friendly. So yeah, man, you know it's just about growth. You know. I was gonna ask how difficult was that coming up? You know. Because the sound was different. It was a sound that we haven't heard before. How difficult was it breaking into different markets outside of Memphis? And we didn't give a fuck. We just did what we did. You know, people caught on. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, we, we, you know, we just experimented with a lot of things. Man, we, me and Paul was one of the most greatest producers of all times. I mean, man, we would experiment. I can't, I don't want to give all my formula away. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you know, read the book and, uh, you know, pay for that. But <laughs> but uh, we we experiment with a lot of different things, man. We, we. We a real artist, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. ain't just niggas just walk in there and just make a beat. We 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 put bring we bring the pain. You know, you might walk in our studio, you might see a whole fucking orchestra in that motherfucker. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And like we just had our minds was was just bigger than just making a couple of beats, and that was it. But like I had the SP1200, I would make beats on that, but then I would add extra shit to it. Like I can't tell you how I did it, but you know it's a secret how I make, how we made our music. Well, the formula to yeah. me was Memphis. It was Memphis, you know but what I'm saying? We, that's what I love about the book too—how you detail Memphis's music history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything, everything, we, everything we, our sound, everything came from the city. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But it's the way we made our beats. We had a, like a, a certain kind of formula we made our beats. Like, mm -hmm. you know, some people make their beats a certain way. Some people make, you know, what I'm saying we had our way we made our beats because everybody like, how y'all make y'all bass sound like this? How y'all make y'all kick sound like? This? How y'all make y'all, you know, what I'm saying snare sound like that? So we we, we was very uh, we made our own we we created our own snares. We mm -hmm. created our own kicks. See what I'm saying? We didn't get our kick from somebody else. We created it. Mm -hmm. Now you talk about the, the drug use in the book, and you know you just mentioned it now. What got you to slow down on the drug use? Was it the, the birth of your kids? Was it Mom Dukes? Was it not in the zone? What what got you out of that? God called that time out. Yeah, it, it was it was it was getting crazy. I remember I was at a show in Atlanta, and I was coming from Atlanta. I was doing a lot of Xanax. And I was drinking at Bombay. Man, I was just like really, really fucked up, man. You know what I'm saying? Like slumped over in the car, and my bodyguard was like, was like hit me like this. Hey, man, uh, man, take it easy. He just whispered in my ear, take it easy on the drugs, man. You, you looking bad, man. You know, and I was on the, way, on the ride home, I just had tears in my eyes. I was just thinking about 3-6 Mafia and how could we get this group back together and we could figure shit out, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, you know, that was just one incident, and then I, I did a show in New York, and I had left my Xanax in the room, and boy, see, I didn't, I didn't know the powerful, the power of Xanax. You got to take them junts every day. If you like miss a couple of days, man, you start getting these body, these crazy body aches. Mm. I'm talking like this shit is like, man, I was like scratching, I was like tweaking, I was like, man, I said I don't feel right. I was telling Ray, I was like, man, I don't feel good, man. I didn't take my Xans and shit. I left them in the room, and then we did the show, and I was sweating on stage, and man, it was just like crucial. So then I, I remember we went to Atlanta. Kind of just kind of moving forward because we were flying all over the place. Like when we was, went to Atlanta, because when I got back to the room, I took the Zan, so I was cool. I was like, "Whew, jeez, fuck." So then I went. We went to Atlanta, and I made a mistake. One left the Zans in the room again, and we had to do the show. 
And I just, man, at, at that day, man, I was really feeling really down, bro. I was mm -hmm. like, just like slumped over. And I was like, man, I'm not feeling good, man. And I was outside the club and I was telling Mike Will, I was like, man, I left my Zans in the fucking room, hotel room. He said, oh, man, I know you fucking going, have, I know you going through it. And after that, I was like, man, I can't do this shit no more. And uh, my, my manager, my cousin, took me to a, uh, a doctor and the doctor told me how to get off the Xanax. Did you have to go to rehab or was it something that he gave you? Uh, no, well, he just told me uh, I was taking a whole one. He said, take a half one. He said, take a half and you'll gradually just get off of it. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, really? So I just started taking half and I just gradually just... Half, quarter, tenth, and then... Yeah, and I got off of it, you know what I'm saying? And right today, I mean, I'm cool. And, it's, and don't get me wrong. There's times mm -hmm. I've been on a plane. I might take a Xanax. I'm up on an airplane, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not addicted like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, I actually really need them. They prescribed to me. I actually, I really, really need them, but I don't take them like I used to take them. I used to be like just taking them, taking them, drinking alcohol, fuck it, sip some lean, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I remember I was in fucking Toronto. I was sipping lean, taking Xanax, and I just felt my, like my body was just slowing down. I was like, oh, and then like that voice hit me in the head, like, pull that damn lean out. And then one voice said, man, you gonna pull that lean? Out? That's a lot of lean, man. That's a good lean. Mm -hmm. Then the other voice was like, nah, pull the lean out. And I pulled the shit out. I said, fuck it. I want to live, man. Any of your peers you can't come up to you and talk to you about it? Because, I mean, in the industry, there's so many people that, that have been on it, got off of it, have been on it. We've seen uh, lose so many people. That any of your yes. peers say, let me talk to you, Juice. And you said my parents? Pe your peers, anybody uh, else oh, in the industry. Oh, no, 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 no. No, nobody. Nobody said anything to me but uh, my family, the people that was close to me, like my manager and uh, you know, my bodyguards and stuff, people from Memphis. Well, you've, you had a lot of people close to you that didn't get the opportunity to you know shake shake it like you did. You know, no. you think of the Mac Millers no. and, yeah. you know, the Gangsta Boos, God Bless the Dead. You think there was a point you wish you could have, like, I don't know, intervened with them or you couldn't help them because you couldn't even help yourself at this time? Well, um, you know, back in the day when 36 Mike, we first started, I wasn't really doing a lot of drugs like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I might sip a little lean here, smoke a little taste of weed there. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a heavy drinker, but I didn't do drugs like they did drugs. They mm -hmm. was really going hard with the cocaine and you no, know, Lord was on a little heroin here and there. You know what I'm saying? It was very, very, very serious. So um, my situation was I was trying to get everybody off. Not so much I was trying to get everybody off of the. I didn't really, I really didn't give a fuck about the syrup and the pills because I feel like that really wasn't the problem. The mm -hmm. problem I saw was was the cocaine because when they do cocaine, when they come off those withdrawals, they go crazy. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It makes you mad. Makes you like you a tough guy. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Nigga was niggas would hit that cocaine boy. They would fucking tear shit up. Paul, I'm going to the club. <laughs> Hit the club up for you know real. You know what I'm saying? Man. Motherfucker would throw, man, I seen Paul throw a chair at a motherfucker, shoot a strap. You know what I'm saying? Like, motherfucker go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Niggas was just turned up like that. Mm -hmm. And I was only, you know, like half sober nigga. I mean half sober. Like, I might have a couple of drinks or something, but I'm still sane. So I'm like holding Paul back. Lord, Coop, you know what I'm saying? Coop was like a, Coop was crazy as hell, man. I ain't gonna lie, rest in peace, but he would do anything. Like, mm -hmm. Coop's a nigga was just like, if you just say, man, let's just blow up a building, he would, he'd be like all for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He was crazy like that, you know. And Crunchy Black, same way. Crunchy Black was every week he was going to jail. He was fight, shootouts, all kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Real shit. So I was just trying to, um, I was not, I wasn't, I wasn't as high as them. I was just trying to get that cocaine out the way because I just, it, it, every time that cocaine was in the in the, in the the building, the shit would go down. If the pills was cool, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I didn't see nothing going drastic with the pills, but the cocaine was crazy. And then when I seen Lord on the heroin, I was like, oh, it's, this is getting a little, different now, it's getting extra serious. Mm -hmm. And that's when he just kind of, he pretty much left the group on his own. I must have misread in the book, I thought it was he, one point Lord Infamous didn't do drugs, right? And at a, at, a, at a point he didn't, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? At a point he didn't, he just smoked a little weed. And then he just, you know, things started going up. Dang. You know what I'm saying, the more money we started getting, excuse me, things started going up. 
And um, I was just trying to, man, uh, I was the main dude just trying to hold, you know, everybody back from doing that. Um, I call it the white devil, you know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. it was really fucking shit up. And it was, it was destroying the group, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, things advanced. We won the Oscar and then that was it. You know, we went Hollywood and <laughs> shit. How difficult was it to, to yeah. talk back to the members during that time when everybody went their own ways and everybody was having their own success? How difficult was it to say, you know what, let's put the group in front of everything else? Um, it was very difficult, man, because they didn't listen to me. They just laugh at me if I was talking shit. Who was the most difficult to talk to? <sighs> Lord of us, man. Rest in peace. He was a cold motherfucker, man. Like, he was the man, man. He was, he was hard to deal with. I remember we was in the car, and the nigga had, like, we got pulled over, right? They didn't find nothing in the car. And then I looked into his pocket. I said, nigga, I said, man, you better be glad they didn't check your motherfucking pocket because his pocket, this nigga had some Xanax. Um, he had a lot of shit in his pocket. Like his, like his little, he had like a little button down, you know, had like the side pocket. Mm -hmm. His side pocket, he had so much. He's like, oh shit, I forgot all about that. I forgot to hide that. I was like, oh. <laughs> After that day, that was the day I, I said, I can't ride with you niggas. I went and got my own transportation. I went and got this van. Cause we used to ride in like the same vans. Uh, me and Paul used to drive the vans, and then we started hiring drivers. But then we're welcomeing a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give us his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will be bringing his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoop takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, a people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there... 
Time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. That day when he said he forgot to hide mm -hmm. that drug, mm -hmm. the heroin and the coke and whatever else he had in that little side pocket, I was like, fuck this. I, 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 then I started trying to, I had to separate myself because I was like, man, I can't make no money in jail, bro. I ain't trying mm -hmm. to go to no motherfucking jail, my right. nigga. Like, we making money. We having success. Why the fuck I want to get pulled over for some, you know, some cocaine or some shit that, that wasn't even mine and go to jail for it? I said, mm -hmm. that's not smart. So I said, I said he, didn't, he didn't listen to me at all. Crutchy would listen sometimes. Uh, very cool to nigga, no. But, uh, and Gangsta Boo, she would listen to me, though. She would. I had to calm her down a lot. A lot of times she, she hit some coke, she go crazy. Gangsta Boo was gangster, real gangster, you know what I'm saying? She'll fight a nigga, kick a nigga, whatever. She cuss a nigga ass out. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I had to, she listened to me a lot, but it was difficult with Lord of man. When you was writing the dedications, because I feel like the dedications are every, everybody that you lost, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. When you write that, how did that feel? To just to have to write that dedication? Yeah, it's bad, man. Um, uh, it's, it's crazy, bro. Like. I, I I shed a tear every other day, man. Thinking about that shit, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's it was been a um, it's been a great painful journey. You know what I mean? Great painful journey. Your mother, Lord Infamous, Coopster, Gangsta Boo, Clinton, mm -hmm. Nigga Creep, Brady, and Cardi K, Rock, Burns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Damn. yeah. Damn. I always always want to ask when I hear stories about you know drug use like that. Like, do you remember who introduced you to it? Right? Because as a kid or growing up, I remember who introduced me to my favorite car, my favorite sports team, my favorite rapper, my favorite musician. Do you remember the time that somebody introduced you to that drug? And why, what made you say, you know what, I'm gonna try it? Trying to think to Xanax, who introduced me? I mean, you know, like, at, at, at the end of the day, like, Lord, Lord and Crunch uh, and them, they, they, they did a lot of Xanax and stuff, so, you know, it was around already. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to, when I used to, we was flying a lot. And I was talking to this doctor I met in Hollywood. I was like, man, I'm flying and shit. I probably need something to calm myself down or something. He said, like, oh, I got something for you. And he just gave me the Xanax. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it kind of went from a little conversation. I was like, okay, I know, you know, crunch them, take Xanax. You know what I'm saying? So went from there. You know what I'm saying? I, I never, I never really seen them go crazy like off the chain on some some pills, or even some lean. You know what I'm saying? They was kind of sleepy or kind of you know slum or whatever. But even that was like the cocaine. I wouldn't do no because I felt like the cocaine was more like. The rage drug, so I was like, I, I ain't never had to tell these niggas to slow down on the lean or the stuff like that. So I guess it might be cool to, you know, pop a Xan or something. And then it just it gradually, you know, definitely makes you feel good. So it gradually just kind of slowly but surely took me over. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And then the lean, I already knew about lean. I mean, I sip lean, I had sip lean before, so you know, mm -hmm. I had, you know, I had the hook on the act. I had so much act, man. They, bro, I was the act man, man. <laughs> I was the act man. I still got some. Act? Said, yes. What is act? Activist. 
Oh shit! Yeah. Well, did they discontinue it or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They banned it. I still got some. I, got, I, got I have it. no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. What is that? Activist. It's a, a drug. What is that? You Google said the it. full name. Yeah. I'll Google it. Yeah, Google it. Now you try are, it. I, no. I, I love in the book. <laughs> no, don't try it. I love how in the book you pay homage to Memphis music, but you talk a lot about Stax Records. Yes. Talk about how you were influenced by that by the story of Stax Records. Um, uh, Al Bell, um, Jim Stewart. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he had a sister too that was uh, involved in Stax. I can't remember my name. She was her last name was Stewart too. Um, man, I was just influenced by that man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Isaac Hayes, uh, Rufus Thomas. Um, man, you name them, man. They had the Temprees, and it was the it was the biggest record label in the South. Mm-hmm. And you know when I was coming up, you know it was over with, but uh, they had tore down the building. I remember it was in the news in the newspaper. They tore down the Stax building. I was like, why the fuck would they do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I just thought it was some racist shit. I like, man, these folks don't want to have shit out here, man. They just tore the motherfucking building down. Like, that's a historic place. And they tore it down and then eventually uh, built it back up. But I was like, man, we're gonna, we gonna be like Stacks. Man, I'm gonna follow in the footsteps of Al Bell. Al Bell was like, he was running Stacks, the black dude. And uh, I, I got the book. I, I read like I read that book like back and forth and back and forth because I was so interested how to how this nigga from, you know, he was actually from he was from DC. Al Bell was from DC, and I was just he moved to Memphis and he started running Stacks. So I was just so interested, like, how does man you know, run a whole record label? So I was just reading about what he did, and I took, I talk about it in my book. Everything that he did, I did a lot of stuff, you know, in in my life, in my career, to follow in his footsteps, and it worked. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's that was the big influence that I had. I don't want to give too much away from the book, but like when yeah. you, when I read about the issues you had with your father, right, yeah. and 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 some of your upbringing, and then you know now you got two children. Yeah. Do you feel like you're you've done a good job of breaking some of those generational curses? Um I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a curse. I just call it um I I just learned something from it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um I learned a lot from it. Um I think I think I'm I'm good, man. I'm good with my kids, man. Like if it wasn't cause of my mom and my dad, I, I wouldn't probably I'd probably be some madman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just being real. They took care of me. I love them. They took care of me, man. They made sure we was straight regardless of I love Small, I call it small family issues because it wasn't nothing like big, big, big. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, I never was like, if my family and nothing like that. I, I mean, I've been there for them from day one. I'm still there for them. Like, even I talk about it in my book, like, every time they call me, I don't care what I was doing. Mm-hmm. If I was in a strip club having sex, what the phone ring and it's my mom or something, I'm like, hey, stop, just stop the music. I picked the phone up all the time because mm-hmm. Memphis was so bad and I didn't, you know, I didn't know it was it. They just called me to check on me, see how I'm doing. Or it could have been like emergency. I mean, one time, one time my dad called me. I was high as a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I thought I was smoking some weed, and I thought they had put some cocaine in it. And man, bro, I was so high. I was like laughing and shit. I couldn't stand up straight. I was feeling like I was about to pass out. He just called me. I know he's like, "What you doing?" I was like, "Um, chilling." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's like, "Oh, okay. I was just checking. I just thought about you." And I said, "Man, this must have been a sign from God. Let me get out of this." I was at somebody's house. Let me get the hell out of here, man. At the time, mm-hmm. you know, so I left. But uh, yeah, they all they they took care of me, man. They they made me who I am today. You I tell your, your granddad had a, he, did he have what was it? Two families and all had the same names. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. He had he had one family in Memphis, and I think the other the other one was like in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he had named them the same names, so he could. <laughs> That's wow. Yeah, so he couldn't. Uh, he so he could remember. He, he remember the yeah. names. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom's name was Shirley, so he named his other daughter he had somewhere else, Shirley, so he could remember the names. When did y'all find that out? Uh, uh, my mom told me, and my aunts told me. They told me a lot of a lot of stuff about him. I, I mean, he was he passed away before I was born, but they told me a lot of stuff about him, mm-hmm. and I just felt like like going back to mental 
mental health, you know, my mom, you know what I'm saying, for her to come from that kind of situation, you know, I could tell, like, you know, she had been damaged by that. You know what I'm saying? I could mm -hmm. tell through her movements and things she did, she was upset about that. You know, she, she told me her dad never told her she he loved her. You know what I'm saying? So that's bad, man. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, like I said, man, mental health starts with uh, in the beginning of your life, and then it can affect you later on. It, like, it, it, it does affect you later on in your life. You, know? you, ever, you ever think about why our parents never said, I love you? Like, why was it so difficult for our parents to be like, I love you? Because we hear the story all the time about well, our well, generation say, saying their parents never said, I love you. You ever, because well, I, I said, my daughter, I say it all the time. I say it overly, but well, you know. I think we take for granted, and, and like the way you're talking about mental health, the way I talk about mental health, we're the first generation that has the luxury of healing. Our, the generation before, they were scratching and surviving. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they weren't thinking yeah. about that kind of stuff. They weren't thinking about emotions and all that. Well, my mom, my mom told me, she told me she loved me though. Yeah, my, dad. my mom did too. Yeah, my yeah. dad didn't. Now my dad didn't. Yeah. But, nah. Later on in yeah, life. Yeah, later on in life, yeah. yeah, I think he did too, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we need that though. You know, the kids mm -hmm. need that love, man. You know what I'm saying? We need, Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, and that affects us later on in our life. You know, you think about like, my mom talked about that and I was like, damn, she, she, I felt like she was really, she was really messed up about that. Like, like he never told me he loved me. You know what I'm saying? She would say it and she would have tears in her eyes when she mm -hmm. said yeah. that. So, yeah, it's terrible, man. You know what I'm saying? I hate she had to go through that. And she really never talked to anybody. It was all she was always uh, quiet about a lot of different things. And um that's why I said, man, a lot of times we just need be needing to um have somebody to talk to, you know, like a therapist. I have a therapist, you know what I'm saying? I heard you talk about a therapist. I I got one, I've had a couple of them, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh we, we need that, man, you know what I'm saying? You know, we, we definitely need to pray and uh pray to God, most definitely. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And if we need to have somebody to talk to, we need to have somebody to talk to to try to help get over that. Cause I feel like if she maybe would have had, if she would have talked to talked to somebody about that, and somebody maybe like could understand her and listen to her, things that maybe had been different. My mom was closed off. She didn't really, she had, a, she even had a, like a lot of friends. She was kind of just closed off. You know what I'm saying? Um, and um, it just affected, you know, all that stuff affected her, man. What you, what got you on your healing journey? Um, just um, you know, talking to, talking with my therapist. My therapist, the first thing he told me, he said, "Man, let's start with the beginning." You know what I'm saying? How you know? How were you raised? Where'd you you know? What happened? How's your mom? How's you? And then that would put me. I was like, oh, okay, that's why I'm like I am today because mm -hmm. I went through this, and you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. That's how I realized. He helped me realize, like my issues I had, like my paranoia, my always looking over my shoulder. You know, you know what I'm saying? I might overdo it. I might have like more guns on me than. The average gun I post, I post, you know, maybe it's like, hey man, you probably just going to a small function, bring one gun. I might have two, three. I mean, just bring one security. I might have four. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Come coming up in Memphis, it's like, nigga, man, it was crazy out there. You know what I'm saying? I was like, just <laughs> nigga was talking about robbing me, doing this and doing that. So I'm like, shit, I'm be on point. Motherfucker, pull up, I'm gonna shoot him in the face. You know, mm -hmm. that's just how I was. I you had to, you, you know, coming up in Memphis, you got to be like that. They make you like that. Even you try to be like, I'm gonna be cool. I ain't gonna do nothing. Man, nigga steal your bike, nigga stole my bike. You know what I'm saying? Nigga cut, shot my car one day. I'm like, all right, you know what I'm saying? It's like that, okay. I'ma mask up on your motherfucking ass, nigga, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm a, so, you know, I, I was, I, I, I started sinking into that environment. So, and then it did, but still, even still, you, you know, you Mr. Tough Guy, whatever, still you got to look over your shoulder because you don't know if your best friend or somebody next to you gonna blow your ass right. off, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like real shit, niggas a snake out there, niggas. Mm -hmm. Some moves. I'd have had niggas set me up and all kind of shit. So, um, so you just had a bunch of unhealed trauma you needed to unpack. There you go. Or, so yeah. I'm like just right here. So then even when, even when I come to LA, I go anywhere. I'm on the same type of time. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I ain't never like 
oh, I'm just chilling. I'm in a different city, so I can just chill. Hell no. Nah. We got more guns. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got vests. I used to sleep with a bulletproof vest on in Memphis. Damn. You know what I'm saying? When I was in my house, you know, cause we, it was just so bad like that. I would sleep with the vest on, then I would, I, I would try to train myself to wake up, to grab the gun at a certain time. I hear I hear a noise in the house. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking jumping up with the strap. You know what I'm saying? Like, Police told you to get a better gun one time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got pulled over. <laughs> he seen my gun. I had this little 38. He said, man, this piece of shit took the bullets out and threw the gun back at me. Damn. Said, man, get you a better gun, man. And they drove, <laughs> and they drove off. Damn. How, <laughs> would you, how would you define Memphis now versus when you, when you were growing up? It's worse than now. Really? Oh, shit. It's, man, you, it's so bad now. It's, it's, man, they jacking every day, bro. You know what I'm saying? These, I mean, like, it was bad then, but now it's like they didn't, they, they, they didn't boost it up. I feel <laughs> like, you know, and, and we always say that things are worse now. The thing I think is missing is there's no, like, it's just crazy. It's not, there's no spiritual foundation. Like, these kids ain't got no morals, no, no. values, like, no, no, no. respect. Like no. You know, there was a respect among, there was honor among thieves and crooks back. I know that sounds crazy when you think about it, but it yeah. was. Yeah, it was, a, it was a real street code back then. You know, yeah. it was, you're right, it was honor. You know what I'm saying? It was like, all right, we're doing this, we're doing that, but we're not doing, you know, we're not, you know, no kids involved, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that in, in street business. But now it's like, fuck it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Anything goes. Nigga, you walk through the door, anybody with him, kill them all. You know, they just mm-hmm. think like that. People mm-hmm. think like that now. It's fucked up. That's why, man, like, you know, when I'm done with this rap shit, man, when, you know, the older, when I get close to this, 60, you know what I'm saying, pushing 70. Shit, I'm running for uh, uh, office or something down there in Memphis, man. I want to change the city. I want to give people better jobs because they don't have job opportunities down there, man. They Like the hope is down there is like there's no hope. So people are just going crazy down there, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I think if they had better jobs and opportunities down there in Memphis and definitely some, uh, you know, somebody talking to these niggas, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and talking about mental health and talking about situations in life and how can we try to fix this, I think things could be better. It's just it's take time, but. Also, I think there's more, I think you need more things to do. Yes. Like in, anything comes to the city, like like I said when I, when I did the, the the car show out there, it was so many families, and even even the 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 police and the sheriff, they were happy. It was like we need more events like this. Yeah. For kids to get them out the streets, let them come in there and see things and be inspired. And and I was like, a lot of cities need stuff like that. And the amount of people that came out in Memphis, it was just amazing. But then. When it was time to do an after party, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna come do an after party. I heard three people got shot last night. You know what I mean? So it was that type of thing as well, you know? Yeah, it's bad, man. Yep, I feel you. I know y'all had like hella police with y'all boy, cause mm-hmm. it, and I was it, gonna ask with busy out there. When you talk about somebody setting you up, how do you yeah. trust people again after you say somebody on your team set you up? Like how do you develop that trust again? Cause that gotta be I don't fuck with them no more. Well, besides them, how oh, you how, how to develop the trust? Uh, I mean, like other people on your team, because you always gotta be looking over your shoulder. You always gotta be scared, you know? Man, you know, you just um I just say, man. Or do you not trust anybody anymore? I, re- I really pretty much don't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I trust the folks I'm with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, at the end of the day, Three Six Mafia, I trust a lot of people in Three Six Mafia. You know, we was a real, we was a, you know, we was a, but it was like a lot of outside niggas that was coming in and I, I didn't trust. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And and, and and the group didn't trust. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like situations like that. But as far as before Three Six I mean, like, not even talking about Three Six Mafia, me just coming up in North Memphis. No, I couldn't trust nobody, man. No. I had this chick set me up. I was at this chick crib right one day, and uh, I man, I slept like when I woke up. I was like, damn, I never slept that that long. You know, you know what I'm saying? I woke up, all my money in my pockets was gone. Damn, my car was on flat. All all four tires was on flat. See, you should have said no to ratchet pussy. You know, right? <laughs> and she was like, what happened? I'm like, bitch, what happened? <laughs> you stole my. She she like, no, I didn't do I didn't do shit. So I went out to my car. I'm like, man, what? what? My tires on flat. And like the nigga didn't, 
cut my tires. He just let the air out my tires. So I got somebody to come by and put the air in the tires, and I left. And then she called me like a day or two. She's like, I didn't set you up. I didn't do anything. What you why, why you know you don't call me? I just want you to know I didn't do that. I said, bitch, don't call me no more. I was on the phone in her face. You know what I'm saying? I just use it as a lesson learned, man. You know what I'm saying? What if she was telling the truth, though? <laughs> you just knew she on, was. <laughs> I was at her, pot, her spot. I mean, yeah. look. I mean, like, it was like her mom's house. I mean, she had a couple of brothers in there. You know, she tried to blame it on her brothers. But, mm -hmm. man, come on, bro. Damn. Come on. I was in her room. That would have been the end of Ratchet Pussy for me, Juicy. I mean, you know, I just had to. Are you at the point now where you can say no to Ratchet Pussy? I mean, I'm married now, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so, you know, that's, that's done. But, yes. but you know, after that, I started getting hotel rooms. I didn't get hotel rooms at first. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, at a chick's house or whatever. I might have had a strap or something, so I'm thinking I'm good. No, nah, mm -hmm. I wasn't good. After that, I started getting hotel rooms and shit. So, uh, you know, like I would pull up and get like, uh, you know, they had these hotels in Memphis. You can pull up like a drive through and get like two, three hours, mm -hmm. and smash, and then dash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the book, you got to get the book, man. Yeah, it's all book. in the book. I want to say, on Good Morning America, they wouldn't let you wear the straight jacket and the Hannibal Lecter mask, right? No, it was a little scary, you know what I'm saying? But it's all good. They're they, they good, man. I had a great time over there, man. They're they good people. Uh, I understood. That's I brought extra outfits, too. So what they do? They just came to you and said, hey, man, did you tell them what it was for? Did you say, I'm trying to raise a, yeah, we a, had awareness a, to mental health? We, we had that in place, but they weren't really trying to hear that, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Damn. Damn. Are you executive producing Megan Thee Stallion's new album? No, no, I wish I was. But I I, I'm, 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 I'm executive producing Tadal Sands album. Tadal, okay. Yeah, Tadal Sands album, and then I'm, I'm, um, I'm producing a lot of stuff for Megan. I'm doing a lot of production for it. Yeah. I heard y'all got a lot of records together. Man, we got a lot of hard ass shit, man. So why? Well, yeah, I, I personally, when I heard that, I'm like, damn, Juicy J, EP, and Megan Thee Stallion. That sound hard. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's Tadal Sands. Tadal Sands album is real. It sounds like a, a '92, 2000s. Uh, you know, mid 2003, Six Mafia album is hard. Really? He's singing over, singing, singing over that shit, shit crazy. Is that what he wanted? He wanted that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 asked me to uh, executive produce the project. The project. What's Meg's vibe like? Cause you know that's um, this is a big album for her after yeah, everything yeah. she went through. Yeah, like it's yeah. a, it's a big project. Big big project. I yeah. can't tell you that, but uh, it's hard. Hard yeah. the motherfucker. She she man, she energized man. She going in, yeah. killing everything. Yeah. All right. Well, the the book is out right now. Yeah. Oh, Juicy one more question. J. One more question. Mm -hmm. What does Psalm one oh seven one mean to you? Psong one oh seven one. Which which Psalm one oh seven. Oh Psalm. Oh Psalm. Oh, this one on the back. Yeah. Oh, let's read it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good for His mercy endure forever. First, I thought you said song. song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is uh something I chose. You know, every every album I always put a Bible scripture on my albums. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Um, so I felt like this right here, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, He is for he is good, for his mercy endure forever. Like, like his mercy, everything, you know, he has mercy on you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, you can change your life around. He's he going he gonna to forgive you mm -hmm. of all your sins and your wrongdoings. So uh, this is uh, very inspirational for me. Um, it just uh, I feel like this this is a part of my life right now, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, trusting in the Lord, man, because he, he forgives you, and um, you can always start over and be a new person, you know what I'm saying? You can go from bad to good, you know what I'm saying? I love it, man. Juicy yeah. J talking about spirituality, That's God, right. mental health. Yeah. Come on, man. That's right. Come on, man. Pick up the book right now. Don't tell now, us Juicy black men J. ain't evolving out here. Chronicles yes. of the Juice Man. Yes, sir. We appreciate you go for joining us. Go get it right us. now. Salute to Soren Baker, too. Soren, you did a phenomenal job. Yep. I don't know you, but you did a phenomenal job. Yep, yep. Juicy. Great job. Yep. All Shout right. out to Three Six Mavi, DJ Paul, Crunchy Black, Rest in Peace, Lord Infamous, Rest in Peace, Gangsta Boo, and Coops the Nigga. And everybody, uh, uh, shout out to the whole Hypnotized Camp Posse, man. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully one day we can uh, all get together and do a, a a crazy tour. I had an idea. I, I thought, you know, since I heard BG got out, you know, shout out to BG. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, it'd be dope if 
Cash Money and Hypnotize. Did a whole fucking tour. That'd be dope. that'd be dope. That's what we said. Remember we said that earlier. That, that I would love to see him on tour. Would that'd that, be dope. Would, would that? Would that? Could could you be able to do that without the gangster booze and you know everybody else? Yeah, we 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 could we we figure it out. We'll do it. Maybe bring like a hologram or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, do something special with the special effects. Yeah, I think that'd be dope. You still dealing with that? Do you ever get over that? Or is, is... Get get over uh, the passing of them? Yeah. Never, never. I think about all of them all the time. Man. I, I I cry here and there. You know, real shit. Like that sh- that shit told me up, man. Still, like still, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. Well, it's the Breakfast Club. It's Juicy J. Yes, sir. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission parking and all-day drinks for one low price but you better hurry because this bundle won't last long save now at cedarpoint.com from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.